Well, hello, and this is Bob Ray. Welcome to another episode of Love Like a River, where we examine the statements and expressions of the God of the Old and New Testaments with the goal of understanding and discovering the practical applications of those words for our lives today. Our topic for this podcast is a continuation of our series on prayer. In this episode, we look at the third component of prayer. Remember, component number one was our Father. Component number two, who art in heaven. And now we're looking at the third component of prayer, which has to do with the attitude of prayer. Jesus said to pray this way to address the Father and to proclaim, hallowed be thy name. So an attitude that declares that God is to be hallowed, hallowed be thy name. But here's the question, what does it mean to hallow anything, to hallow a person or a thing? Um, We can all take guesses at what that word means, you know, Halloween is coming up, uh, this will be out on, in October. Uh, what is Halloween about? It has the part of the word is the same, but um, what does this word mean? Well, the best way to find out is to go to dictionaries. There's different types of dictionaries, so we'll start with the Bible dictionary. And the word hallowed reveals an attitude of prayer. So it's the first component of this is attitude. Secondly, the definition of hallow talks about a decision, a decision that the individual makes to render or declare something as sacred or holy or consecrated. It's setting something apart as holy, setting it apart as sanctified, selling it, setting it aside as pure, purif- purifying something. Um, It also means to regard it as special. So to hallow something is to regard it as special. Now think about that in regards to hallowed be thy name, to regard his name as special, to set apart his name, to have an attitude towards his name where you render and declare it as holy, you consecrate it. Now, that was the Bible dictionary. What does the regular dictionary say about the word hallow? Well, it means to make holy, to sanctify, to consecrate, there's a key word, to hallow the name of the Lord, to honor as holy, to consider something sacred, to venerate it, uh, to hallow a battlefield, okay? Hallow from the free dictionary, to make or set apart to respect or to honor greatly. So what is another word for hallow? I looked up some synonyms and the synonyms for hallow are consecrate, dedicate, devote. So you get all those words rumbling around in your brain. I looked them up and as they're rumbling around, I really was seeking to understand the term and the terms that we just read, they did help me. A picture began to form in my mind of what hallow means, uh, an image of how we are to act when we hallow a person or a place. So 
these words that were rumbling around in my thoughts and now rumbling around in your thoughts can be boiled down to make something holy, sanctify it, consecrate it, honor something as holy, to consider something sacred, to make or set it apart, to respect or honor it greatly, to show reverence, to dedicate and devote and to hallow a battlefield. So those were the different terms. Those were the different words that were in the dictionary and now are now in our thoughts. And for me, it was the last few words of these definitions that gave me the image that helped me understand the term hallow. And these three specifically, to devote, to dedicate, to hallow a battlefield, to dedicate, to devote, to hallow a battlefield. And here's how those words helped me. It was during a hot July in 1863 that over 51,000 men died as a result of the three-day battle between the Union and Confederate armies at a little town of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War, these two great armies met, two American armies face-to-face, and 23,000 men from the Union Army died over those three days, and over 28,000 from the Confederacy. That's 51,000 lives. Now, there were a total of 160,000 total combatants there. So for 51,000 to be killed, that's nearly 32% of all the men there. Roughly one out of four, greater than that, they all died a fourth something greater than a fourth of all the people there died. Think about that sacrifice. Think about the price paid, the value of those lives. Well, it was about four months later on November 19th, of 1863, about 15,000 people gathered in Gettysburg to dedicate a new national cemetery. And from that ceremony came one of the greatest speeches ever written. If you know the story, um, the length of speeches during that era was pretty long. In fact, um, Edward Everett, the other speaker that day, spoke for over two hours. And it was a good speech, full of history and, you know, very appreciated by the crowd. And um, the speech that President Lincoln delivered was only 272 words, very, very short by the standards of the day but it perfectly captured the meaning of not only the battle, but the entire struggle that the country was engaged in. It is in his words about the sacrifice of those soldiers that Lincoln captured the essence of what it is to hallow 
a place. Remember, our question here is, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? How do we hallow the name of God? In Lincoln's speech, there's a very clear explanation of what it is to hallow, how you hallow a place or a cause or a person. He wrote and then spoke these words. We have come to dedicate a portion of that battlefield as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. Now think about that. They've come to a special ceremony. 15,000 people come to a battlefield where over 50,000 men had died. And they were there to dedicate this uh, cemetery, this new national cemetery. But Lincoln says, you know, in a sense, it's good that we're here. It's, it's altogether fitting and proper, he said, that we, we do this. But we, in what we're doing today, cannot hallow this ground. We cannot do that. He uses the words dedication, consecration, hallowing. But he contrasts their own efforts there speaking that day to the efforts of the men who fought there that day. He says in his speech, right after saying that we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. It's the brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, who have consecrated it far above the poor power to add or detract. He says, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. See, it's the efforts of the men, Lincoln says, that hallow the ground. Standing at that cemetery site, he speaks of dedication and consecration and hallowing of the ground. He says that it's by their giving their all that those men consecrated their, the field. It's by them giving their greatest effort, giving their full life to the cause that they hallowed the ground. Thus, for us, to hallow the name of the Lord, we need to give our all to him in an attitude and behavior and effort that focuses all of us upon him. Lincoln said the soldiers' full measure, the full pouring out of their life is what hallowed the ground. And in the same way, as we turn to God in prayer, we need to give him our full attention, give him our full effort. It's not something where we're eating ice cream, chewing gum, blowing bubbles, distracted, watching TV, and we shoot up a quick little nonchalant prayer. Hey, God. Hey, Papa. No, no, no. 
this casual Christianity that makes God part of everything else, he's like one trinket on your shelf of 50 things, doesn't work. That's not biblical Christianity. Jesus is demanding of us that we pay attention to the Father. Hallowed be his name. Strip away everything else. Strip it all away and focus on the task. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm giving my full attention to you. I'm dedicating this time to you. I'm paying attention with all of my being. For us to hallow his name, we need to give everything. Less than our best is not good enough. To hallow means we give our full attention and our strongest efforts. Let me say that again. To hallow means that we give our full attention and our strongest efforts. Could you imagine in the middle of that battle, somebody being distracted? No. When people are coming at you with a gun to shoot at you and blow your brains out, you're paying attention. You're focused. That's what we need to do. To hallow means to give our full attention, our strongest efforts. Now, I'd like to continue with a few other images and information that I learned about the battlefield and the cemetery at Gettysburg. When you go there, there are signs posted to this day. You'll find this sign in the cemetery. The first one is a sign that simply has three words on it, silence and respect. It's an attitude of respect. The proper attitude is one of respect. Now, how do you translate that to prayer? Well, it's not with silence, but it is with respect. You're going to speak, you're going to be verbal, but that speech is going to be respectful. You're talking to God Almighty who flung the stars into the sky, created all the energy and matter in the universe. King of kings, Lord of lords, hallowed be your name. Now, that's attitude. Let's also talk about behavior. Because there's another sign at Gettysburg that prompted some imagery. What should be our behavior when we come before God? Should it be haphazard? Should it be casual? And I'm not saying there isn't a relaxed, intimate relationship with God, but there is appropriate behavior and there's inappropriate behavior. So listen to what this other sign at Gettysburg says. While visiting the Gettysburg National Cemetery, we ask that you respect this hallowed ground. Please do not climb or sit on the graves, the monuments, the markers, or the cannons. Please do not run or shout in the cemetery. Group leaders, teachers, and parents, please supervise your members, students, children throughout the cemetery grounds. Could you imagine a people, a group of people swinging by and picking up some fast food? In fact, I, I looked at a map of Gettysburg and there is a, there is a certain, a couple fast food restaurants in the modern town. Could you imagine somebody swinging through there, picking up some fast food, speeding up to the cemetery, 
parking the car, turning the radio up loud, jumping out, throwing a blanket on the ground over a couple of graves, uh, you know, picking up a Frisbee and they're throwing the Frisbee back and forth over the graves. And then they're sitting down eating and they're having a big old party time. Loud, obnoxious, inappropriate. No, that behavior would not be hallowing the ground. To hallow is to have an attitude of respect with corresponding behavior that demonstrates that respect. Very simple signs, silence and respect. Very simple sign, please respect this hallowed ground. And that's what Jesus, the son, is saying to us here. He's saying, people, my followers, when you are addressing the father, respect the ground hallow the ground. Do you remember when God called Moses to the burning bush? He told him to take off his sandals because the place where you're standing is holy ground. The ground was to be hallowed. It was to be respected. This place, the sphere, when we approach the Lord, when we approach the Father, should be one that revs up our respect and our awe. If you think about who God really is, who he reveals himself to be, look at the book of Revelation. Look at Jesus in the first two chapters of Revelation. Look at Jesus in chapter 19, 20, 21, and 22. He comes back as a lion. He is the lamb, but he is a lion. He comes back as a warrior. He comes back to gather his people and to slay his enemies. Hallowed be thy name. The worship of God should have respect. The worship of God should incorporate proper behavior. Make holy, sanctify, consecrate, honor as holy, consider him sacred, make and set him apart, respect and honor greatly, revere, show reverence, Dedicate and devote yourself and your time and your thoughts and your attitudes. The name of God is unique and valuable. Hallowed be thy name. Your name represents you. Hallowed be thy name. You're hallowing and respecting the person of God. To honor his name is to honor him. And to do anything less than that is to do the opposite, to dishonor. And it's not dishonor upon him, it's dishonor upon you. In the name of God, hallowing is the atmosphere. It's unique, it's valuable, it represents him. And it should, it should demand the best of us. So that when we go to him, we go with our best thoughts. We go with our greatest needs. We go with our real requests, understanding that we stand in the presence of a holy God. And what an honor it is to be called forward because the way to him, Hebrews says that, that Jesus through his blood has opened a new way. The cost that was laid out by God to open that way for us should demand our respect, should, should well up in us as appreciation, 
and, and thankfulness and an attitude where we choose to reverence this God who gave everything. He gave his only begotten son that you and I could have a relationship with him again. So choose this attitude of reverence. Choose to respect him. Why is that important? Because he's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our respect, worthy of that reverence. His person, his name is worthy of us choosing to hallow, to mark out as sacred and special his name. His person conveyed and communicated to us through his name is worthy. He's worthy. His name is worthy. His name deserves to be hallowed. He as a person deserves to be set aside as in our minds and in our actions and in our attitudes, set apart as special, unique, and holy because he is. So yes, hallowed be thy name. He's the king of kings. The the gospels reveal him as the creator. The Old Testament reveals him as the maker of all things. In Exodus, he reveals his own name. He says, this is my memorial name, Yahweh. King of kings, Lord of lords, Yahweh, hallowed be thy name. He comes in the New Testament and the father gives him the name Jesus. He shall be called Jesus. Hallowed be thy name, Lord of lords, King of kings, Jesus. Yes, hallowed be thy name, Father God, Father in heaven. Yes, hallowed be your name. So our attitude in prayer must be like those reverent and respectful crowds that pass by the graves of those honored dead. Our attitude in prayer must show the respect that he is due. Yes, he's Abba Daddy, but he is also Father God. Last thought. Those soldiers died so that this nation could have a rebirth of freedom, to quote Abraham Lincoln. He said, these soldiers have given their life that this nation could have a rebirth of freedom. Now carry that over to Jesus's death. Jesus's death on the cross was so that you could have a rebirth to newness of life. See the parallel? Those soldiers in an earthly way gave everything they had to bring about a rebirth for this nation. Jesus on the cross, his death, his pouring out everything was done for a rebirth, a newness of life in our lives. And if you know him, celebrate that fact. If you do not follow Jesus Christ at this time, I am telling you the scriptures are calling you to come and examine them to learn the truth of your fallen nature and God's great gift in Jesus Christ. We are sinners. We are separated from God by our sin, by the sin of our forefather, Adam. And the only escape is through the new Adam, through Jesus Christ, the one who came and lived the perfect life. Adam and Eve had a perfect environment, had a perfect life, but they disobeyed God, they rebelled. And that's what sin is. Sin is simply rebellion 
against God. God says, do A and you do C. God says, do B and you do D. Rebellion is sin and in a sense takes you out of the game. This is the significance of Jesus coming and leading a sin, sinless life. He was in the game. He stayed in the game the whole time, never giving in, never yielding, giving up his life, a sinless, perfect life to trade for you. He offered his life and his blood up to the Father as payment for your debt. The scriptures say that he nailed the certificate of debt to the cross, paid in full. But you have to accept that. You have to believe that. You have to receive that by the grace of God. It comes to you as a gift through his gospel, through his word, through the truth, through the awesome, awesome display of God's love. And all that he did is why we now hallow his name. He is awesome. And his work is awesome. And you and I, if we know him, we should thank him for this. If we, you don't know him yet, you need to get in the game. Get your mind focused on the scriptures and cry out to God for the revelation, the grace that will save you. So we are at the end of this message. This is it for today. Remember that as we continue this series, we're going to take a closer look at a lot of different sections of scripture. So get your Bible out, blow the dust off of it. <laughs> uh, listen to Jesus's additional and expanded teachings on prayer. You'll find them by reading the Bible. You'll find them by listening to some of the other um, podcasts that we've done on prayer. And we're going to continue seven more parts scour both the Old and New Testaments to broaden our understanding. That's what we're going to do together. We're going to develop a practical plan for our own growth in prayer as a habit. And we're actually going to pray together. We'll have one or two um, podcasts where we walk through how you actually pray. And most importantly, we're going to allow this time together to change us. As we look to God's Word, as we pray, we're going to ask and allow for this time to change us. So thank you for spending time with us today. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the fourth component of prayer, thy kingdom come. This is your host, Bob Ray, wishing you the best of God's wisdom and the deeper discovery of his love for you.